0: Welcome to Indelible Logos, we are going to give you the words that are going to make a lasting impression. Welcome to season two, episode two of the Indelible Logos podcast. I'm your host, Tiki Durand, and as always, I'm excited to be spending a few minutes with you. Several years ago, today's guest authored a book in which he records the true life events of his battle to overcome addictions. Just in case you didn't hear me, that's addictions as in more than one. While the book titled A Journey Through the Shadows of Death is a quick read, the time frame covers a lengthy period of 25 years. The author has a gift to tell his story in a way which it just pulls you right in and he holds no punches. I hurt, I teared up, I celebrated, and honestly, at times, I laughed out loud while he took me from one account to the next. I am truly honored to welcome C. Thomas Carson to the podcast audience. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, you're most welcome. It's my privilege and pleasure.
0: Amen. So while searching for a book called The Love Dare... I came across a copy of your book that you had given to Francis, and I think it was probably back in 2006.
1: That's correct.
0: Okay. So although I had started to read it at that time, I don't even think I ever got past the first chapter. And I'm not even sure why, except that perhaps it was for such a time as this. And while the, the focus of the book may largely be centered on the 25 years that you fought to overcome your addictions, I couldn't help but see a bigger picture. Um, There is this theme of grace, protection, and overwhelming demonstrations of love that it not only did it come through God, but your family, specifically your parents. It reminds me of the scripture in the Bible. And I know that you know which um, which one I'm going to refer to because you say it in your book. And it says, God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, his purpose to give our listeners some context into our conversation. Um, please just share a little bit about what that time was like for you and how your life has changed since then.
1: Wow. Okay. So, um, Uh, I want to give glory and honor to God, and of course, to my parents, who I would not be here. Um, My children, my grandchildren would not be here. We'll we'll go into that a little bit later. Um, The introduction to my book, uh, talking about the addiction and how the world views addicts. I'm going to read that now. So this is from the the beginning of my book and it says, addicts are taken advantage of every day of our lives. The drugs have taken our desire for a normal way of life. The streets have taken our dignity. The world passes us and has taken our self-worth. It looks on us as scum, worthless and hopeless. Inside each of us is a light. It may be growing dim. It may be clouded by darkened eyes. It may be just barely visible to the discerning eye, but it is there, a smoldering ember, just waiting to be stroked and caressed back into a roaring, vibrant fire of life. Sadly, for most of us, the embers get pissed on and the fire extinguished permanently. I I wrote that in 2006 and I, I ponder that every day because God had a plan for my life and it has unfolded over these 25 years of my sobriety and going into ministry. Um, I have to say this, we're not to look back thinking about it or obsessing about woulda, coulda, shoulda. Mm -hmm. If you look at a car, the windshield is really big because it's more important where you're going. The rear view mirror is very small. Yes, you thank God and the people that helped you like my parents for being able to look back in that small mirror and say, thank you, God. Thank you, parents. You saw what I couldn't see. And now that you're looking ahead at your bright future the world is, is yours. Um, God wants us, he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. We should be living the abundant life every day. Every day. And every day, every day.
0: Amen, amen. Does it cause you to, when you see people on the street um, that you can, because you lived it, that you can identify with where they are. What kind of a reaction does that, or response, you know, does that bring up inside of you?
1: It literally, you know how people say I have a, my heart aches, my heart really aches. It, it physically aches. Um, tears come to my eyes. I I remember um, when uh, Didi and I got married, we stayed in the city for our honeymoon and walking past homeless people, um, I I just would give them coffee, food, a couple of dollars because it was so near and dear to me. Do you know, we don't know what that person's circumstance was. We don't know that person's background. Uh, Later on, I'm going to tell you how God has blessed me just supernaturally, abundantly above anything that I could have expected. So we cannot just walk past people There, but by the grace of God. I grew up in in a middle-class family. My dad was a Baptist minister. My parents worked uh, two and three jobs. My mom owned a catering business. Life was good. We lived in a house, we had a dog, uh, two cars, but I ended up homeless, living under a bridge, addicted to crack cocaine, 25 years of drug and alcohol abuse. So when you see that person, you don't know what their story is. They could be anybody from any walk of life. So don't just give them a handout. Look to give them a hand up. And when
0: you say give gives them a hand up, is that, a word of encouragement is that, uh, you know, offering, if they're open to it, a word of prayer. Um, How do you do that? Because I know that there are people who struggle with whether or not to give finances because they're afraid that they might be doing them more harm than good. Um, There are people that are afraid to uh, do anything because they feel like this person could just be someone who's standing on the street and is not really in a situation of need. And it's kind of, you know, like they're a scam. Um, I, I, one thing that I know for me personally is, is no matter what you do, you need to be directed by the spirit of God. Absolutely. But there might be other people who don't understand that. And so they might want to like, how, how would you suggest when you say, Give them a hand up what exactly would that look like
1: so i keep um, tracks with me a, a little small new testament bible and i will ask if i can pray with them i will give them the word i particularly when i first started i was giving money and the lord said to me food give them food and feed them with the word. They may not accept it, but do you know that many people that are homeless, if you're giving them something, do you know what they say? Thank God you. bless you. Mm-hmm. They say, God bless you. Thank you. But I hear all the time, God bless you. And and there's my my in. He already has. Do you know? that I was homeless too, that I was addicted to crack cocaine. So now I can put a little testimony in there. And of course, I try to give them food because many of the, I'm not going to say all, but there are many homeless people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol and other things. And you don't want to feed into that for them. So by the hand up, it's giving them that word of encouragement, that, that tangible, um, you know, you can talk about God and you can talk about Jesus who you can't see, but people can see you. And if they see God, if they see Jesus in you, in your the way you act towards them, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a quick example. Uh, there was a homeless person and I had some socks that I had gotten for them. And I changed this person's socks. Now, I was homeless for years. And believe me, if I took my socks off, I could clear out a subway car. But that made that person feel the love of God, that someone got on their hands and knees Bought them socks and changed them for them because he he couldn't physically do it for himself. Wow. So that's the hand up that that you see the worth in that person, because for me, when I was homeless, I felt worthless. I was under condemnation. I had abandoned my family. I I was doing drugs, I was stealing. The the whole way of life that um, I had been brought up in, I turned my back on.
0: I'm I'm feeling it all over again as if I'm reading the book all over again. Um, And that kind of brings me to one of the things that struck out to me was your ability to quickly adapt and learn whatever skill or trait mechanism that you needed in order for you to be successful in that endeavor for that moment. Um, I, I, I I found that very intriguing. Like you, whatever you put your hand to, you made it work. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna ask the question, do you still find that as, Evident in your life now. Are you still Absolutely. quickly learning and adapting, especially with this new technology?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, this is going to be kind of a long answer. Okay, go up, go uh, for it. Okay. So, my dad was a, a very simple, humble man, but he always wanted to do his best. And his mom had told him, whatever you do in life, you be the best. So from a young child, I heard my father say, always strive to be the best. And this is an exact quote. If you're a ditch digger, let them say about you that you're the best ditch digger that there ever was. So my dad, coming from the South, up North, he had a number of jobs. He started out as a, uh, a baker's apprentice and he became very good at what he was doing. When he moved on from there, uh, he became a hot skinner. So where the United Nations is, was Swift's um, slaughterhouse. They would bring the animals in and slaughter them there. And my dad was the skinner. So he would take the skins off of the, uh, the dead animals. Wow. And that's called hot skinning. So I, I saw that he could learn how to do things. Well, when they built the United Nations, he was out of a job. So he went uh, to the west side of Manhattan to the Gansport meat market. And he became the first black skinner in that market. Well, that meat was cold. It came in, it was slaughtered in Wisconsin and came in via refrigerated um, uh, trucks. Mm -hmm. So it's a completely different way of skinning. And he was cutting the skins and he was having a tough time. And the people said to him, you're not a skinner, you're among skinners. And he said, purposed in his heart, I'm going to be the best. Well, long story short, he became the fastest cold skinner in the market. Wow. So, I grew up hearing always whatever you do, you be the best. So, I learned at an early age that to be the best, that you had to really apply yourself. So, as a young kid, I was not good at baseball. I, I always say I couldn't catch a cold. <laughs> so um, I practiced and practiced and practiced. And I would throw the ball up when no one was there. I had four, sis- four sisters, so they weren't, you know, interested in, <laughs> in playing any ball. And eventually, I saw improvement and I got better. And my dad helped me and I became a good ball player. Well, that carried over for good and for bad because when I was uh, conniving with, uh, with drugs and, and, and other illegal activities, I was good at that. So whatever I put my hands to, I really, I, I studied and, and became good at it when, when doing well, I've had so many different jobs. I was um, a milkman. I've owned a FedEx route. Um, Let's see. Uh, Right now, I'm I'm postmaster, but I was a machinist. I worked in a deli. Uh, I worked for a data processing company. So because of the things that I did in life, it, it took me on a meandering path, but whatever job that I had, I always remembered what my father said, be the best.
0: And I feel like that's a very important thing because I so many people can have a vision or a desire and, and find out, just like you had said before in reference to baseball, that they weren't very good at it initially, and they'll give up. And that could be the very thing that they were meant to do that would have, you know, introduced them to their dream or or their life that they were supposed to prosper in. And I see, unfortunately, in our day and time, because everything is so instantaneous, that that's exactly what happens with people is that if it doesn't work out the first time, they're starting a new business or they're starting a new job or a career and If everything doesn't just automatically click and flow, a lot of people, not all, obviously, but a lot of people don't have that fortitude to just put in the application, put in the effort, put in the work. I I can say this for myself personally, having to learn the programs, which I mean, it's it's not very hard, but having to learn different technologies now, it, it could be intimidating, but guess what? You just do the research. You do the work. You trial and error. When when you you take it as if something didn't work out for you, okay, well you that's something that you've learned that didn't work. So now try something else. But I I found that to be very interesting uh, because that's a it was a common theme that no matter where you were in your life during that time, whether on the good side of the challenge or on the bad side of the challenge, you were able to figure out a way to adapt, which served you, served your purpose. And I just thought that that was incredible. Um, Even from the other side of it, when you were battling your addictions, that it's still, that mentality was still working for you because you worked it. Um, And I wanted to make mention of that. I had written several, like a whole page of notes um, as I was reading your book. And I had planned on asking you about several situations that you mentioned, but there there were two things. One, I wanted God to orchestrate this conversation between us like I had mentioned to you before we started recording. Mm -hmm. And two, I think that people should read the book for themselves, Uh, order some copies. I I feel like it would even be a very good discussion group uh, book or uh, a book club book i know you don't probably people probably wouldn't think of something like this but it's it's um, it's all about it's not about just the struggle it was about overcoming the struggle and all of the things that you gained and you benefit from from that point and bringing to another point i just want to say is that god's timing is just phenomenal he's he's never late he is never late And so your story just as is just as relevant now as it was when you were writing it as it was when you were living it. Um, In Orange County, there have been there's a serious problem with the heroin and opioids, and I know that we aren't alone in that crusade. And so I believe that there may be someone who hears this episode and it speaks to their situation or to that of someone that they know. And this is the funny thing. I reached out to you weeks ago because the thought came to mind to ask you to be a guest. However, I just read the book in its entirety on Sunday. Wow. (laughs) So again, I, I really do believe that this is a God setup and With that being said, what advice would you offer to the listener who desperately needs that tidal wave of hope and guiding light?
1: Okay, that the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step, get a relationship with God. He sent his son Jesus for our sins. You have to forgive yourself. And you have to forgive others. Sometimes we may think that we're in a predicament because of something that that someone did or circumstances. You have to get over yourself. You have to be transformed through a renewing of your mind. I'm going to go a little bit long here because um, as you said, God is orchestrating this. Satan wants to take you out. He has you in that position to steal, kill, and destroy. God is not going to allow that to happen. You have to reach out. After my 25 years of addiction, when I came to myself, here's what happened. I was shot at. The bullets miraculously didn't hit me. I was beaten to the point where my eye nearly came out. I was stabbed with a screwdriver. I was nearly set on fire. And I called my father and he came and picked me up within 45 minutes and helped me get back on my road to recovery. So we have a purpose. We, and our purpose is to live out God's plan. Mm -hmm. So the enemy is always trying to distract you from God's plan. So follow me here. I get sober. I get married. I get custody of of, um, one of my children. I take a job as a machinist. The man starts training me. Then I needed benefits. God opens up another door. I'm able to uh, become a shipping manager at a company in Rockland County. Uh, Start making more money. So I started out making $5 an hour flipping burgers. That was my first job after I got sober. Within two years, I'm now making $25 an hour. That's God. God has a plan for your life. Within those two years, I get custody of uh, my daughter. I get married. I start going to Redeeming Love uh, Christian Center. And all of the things, the promises that God has, I start reaching for them because I'm being transformed through a renewing of my mind. So. God sees the future because he's omniscient. So he can see where you're going. We sometimes are caught up on where we came from and and this little tunnel vision here, God sees the whole picture. What am I saying? Five years after I wrote this book, well, let me go back. I'm sitting in church and Reverend Billy Joe Watts comes and says, there's a book in you. And I knew in an audience of 2,000 that he was talking to me. So I quit my job a year later and wrote this book. That's in 2006. And then I went on to another job. And I wondered, hmm, I no one would publish it. I self-published it, a thousand copies. I was giving them out. I sold some of them. And I'm wondering what, what happened here? Well, five years later, in 2011, I had written in the book, let's find the page. And I want this to be a word of encouragement for you who are struggling. Now, some 25 years later, I am clueless as to whether I have a son or daughter by this woman. I often think about this. My prayer is that this book will open some doors to set the record straight once and for all. I will leave that up to God. If it's true and there's a good reason for us to have contact, then it will happen. Well, turns out there's a woman who has been searching for me, but she's searching for me under Tom Carson and I go by C. Thomas Carson or Clarence Thomas Carson. Well, this woman Googles my name, finds that my dad had passed away, looks in the obituary and it says surviving son, Clarence Thomas Carson. She Googles that, it takes her to the Amazon website. She sees the book five years later. And she says to her fiance, at the time she's married now, if he mentions me in the book, I'm going to call him. And my telephone number's in the book. Yes. Mm -hmm. I get a phone call. Hi, this book really profoundly touched me. I'm like, oh, that's nice. I'd like to talk to you about it. We're having a conversation. She goes, and my name happens to be, and she gives her name. And I'm like, are you? are you are you telling me you're my daughter she says yes sir I am they they do a front page newspaper article in the journal news October 19th 2011 the day that we actually meet um in North Carolina so five years after I wrote the book God directed me to put that in there. Now we meet and we're a family. She said to me, there was a part of me that was missing. I didn't know this side of the family. So you see, God has a plan, but we've got to line up with that plan. Now, listen, I told you this will take a little while. All right, so now it's 2011 and we meet, we become a family. On the day of that newspaper article, October 19th, 2011, there is a murder-suicide in a town called Cross River, New York. The person who's doing the article about my daughter and me and how she met me said we were going to be the headline, but because There was a murder-suicide in Cross River, New York. They put us in the middle of the page. I'm working for FedEx. I sell my FedEx route. I go uh, to work for the post office. I start out working nights, sorting the mail. I become a letter carrier. And then my, my manager literally said, You're the best employee I've ever had. So I worked my way up in the Postal Service. I get into sales at the district office. And after two years, so now in 2013, I started working for the post office, March of 2013. So now I am in sales at the district office in White Plains, doing well. And I just feel that there's more, that I want to be more uh, customer service orientated. So I'm talking to one of the plant managers that managed me in Newburgh and he says, oh, okay, Um, shoot your resume to me. And he he interviews me and he says, "Hmm, you're really not qualified for this job, but I wanted to hear what you were about because I've heard so much about you. He says, I might have a position for you And he hands me off to someone else, and they um, send me for training, and I become an OIC, which is an officer in charge in Cross River, New York, on October 19, 2016. Wow. Five years after I wrote the book, I meet my daughter five years after that, to the day, I get appointed to Cross River, New York, where that murder-suicide was that shared the front page. Wow! And two years after that, they appoint me postmaster in Cross River. And that's where I'm residing now, Cross River, New York. You see, God has a plan for you. So if you're out there and you're involved in It doesn't matter what. You may not be on drugs. You may not be an alcoholic. You may just be melancholy. You may be just be saying, oh, woe is me. You may be down on your circumstances. God has a plan. Follow through with that plan. Journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. Take that step towards Jesus. I can go on and on and on about the goodness of God in my life. But when you hear from God, obey. Amen. If I had not quit my job, because I was saying to myself, my wife is gonna think I'm crazy. And I came home and God will put you with the right person because she said, okay. She said, okay, honey, go for it. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna breathe now. <laughs> this is so exciting. That was,
0: that was encouraging for me because um, I've spoken on on other podcasts and I've written in blog, my blogs before that there have been times that it, it's just been, you know, you you your heart, your spirit wants to say yes, but your mind is saying something different, and you have to have that battle. Always just say yes. Always say yes because His ways. Are higher than our ways his thoughts are higher than our thoughts we have no idea what he's already working on our behalf and it's always for his best for not our best his best for us but um, I'm I'm looking at the time and this has been rich and you have helped me to to bring forth this uh, episode today (laughs) in a way that has really just it's really just blessed my heart and I know that you've had a full day at work and you came home to speak with me today. And I really am just so grateful having people like yourself come on the podcast and just share with me about their businesses, their success stories, their experiences. It's not anything that I take lightly. Um, And I just pray that God will cause a whole new arena of people to be impacted and changed by your experience. And another level of his glory is just attained. And so before we end, I just want to see if there's anything else that you would like to to say.
1: Yes. Do you know, um, I only printed a thousand copies of the book and it's out of print now. And a lot of people have been asking me, how can I get my hands on a copy of the book? Well, um, I can email a, a copy of the book. So I want to make it affordable for everybody so for uh, ten dollars um all you have to do is go to uh my cash app which is dollar sign cross river dollar sign c-r-o-s-s-r-i-v-e-r uh ten dollars and you'll get the copy immediately all you have to do is put in your email address and you know i went on facebook and and put it in and and like 50 people that I grew up with ordered the book and they say that they've been blessed by it
0: I believe it I believe it we, we talked about God's timing and you know that his way of just working everything together for our good and his glory there's no one who can match God in the way that he orchestrates things nobody and I, nope. I'm, I'm quite glad about it and I'm quite glad that uh He's just called me to be one of his co-laborers in this endeavor. Um, But I'm going to end on this. One of my favorite blessings is may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And I want to just say that all of you listening, I speak the same blessing over you, and I thank you for being one of the reasons to keep me sharing with you episode after episode. Until next time, continue to stay healthy and happy, and thank you once again for just being with me tonight and helping to bring forth another encouraging message that's going to continue to further impact and change lives.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for having me.